and thank you for joining us for In All Things, a weekly podcast of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church. I'm Rachel Joseph. Your host for In All Things is Dean Weaver, stated clerk of the EPC. The motto of our family of congregations is, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, in all things, charity. Now, here's Dean. And thank you, Rachel Joseph. Appreciate that as always, that kind introduction as we launch things in another edition of In All Things. In fact, if you were to call the Office of the General Assembly and you had a benefits question, you might hear that wonderful voice of Rachel Joseph because she works here in the office in our benefits department. So thank you, Rachel. And thank you uh, for taking the time to listen in. We know there's lots of things competing for your attention and time. And the fact that every week you are part of this conversation with us, we really appreciate that. We don't take it for granted at all. As we are now into our second year, we've crested that 10,000 download point that we kind of had our eyes on a little while back, and we're so grateful for that. We realize that's no small thing, and we're super grateful uh, for all of you not only listening in, but also liking us, sharing on social, and getting the word out to others as we have conversations about the kingdom of God that are particular to the EPC, but uh, we also sometimes have conversations that go well beyond that into the larger kingdom, as I think today we'll actually bridge that gap because we'll have a conversation with one of our EPC own, but the things you're going to hear about particularly church revitalization or church health I think will apply to any church outside or inside the EPC. And so we're grateful to have uh, Stefan Bomberger with us here. And Stefan is the lead pastor at Manoa Community Church just outside of Philadelphia, Fly Eagles Fly. Stefan, just great to have you here. Great to be here, Dean. Thank you for the opportunity. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. I think you're going to be encouraged about what you hear today regarding issues of church health because Stefan is the church health coordinator for the EPC's Presbytery of the East in addition to his other responsibilities. And we're going to dig down into that because I had someone just two days ago say to me, so what is church health in the EPC? And I thought I did a decent job of explaining it, but you're, you're one of the experts. So I think maybe we'll lean into your explanation of that and give people a chance to hear what does the EPC think is a healthy church and what kind of things are kind of central uh, to that. And so today's episode is brought to you by that one particular gospel priority of the EPC, which we typically call transformation. Uh, transformation is in-house code language for church health. And uh, church health is focused in on a number of things. One of those things is transitional pastors. I'm getting bombarded these days by emails from people who are looking at succession planning in churches. And we're coming up on this incredible season where all of the baby boomers are all starting to retire. And there's going to be this huge, already is the beginning of this huge opening. And a lot of these pastors have been in churches for some period of time. And we find that churches are more open and willing to consider the kind of self-diagnosis and potential change and adaptations to serve their community and be faithful in the gospel during times of transition than any other. It may not be perfect for every church, but we encourage every church that's going through transition to at least consider the possibility of a transitional pastor. And we also consider pastors who are looking for a, a vocational call to serve the church in that way. There is a rising need for people to serve in transitional pastor roles. And that's one of the many functions that our church health gospel priority helps 
by serving the EPC with. And we may dig down on that one a little bit, but there's another one that's been kind of front burner focus for church health folks that I'm hoping Stefan will help us with because I think he's really an expert in that area. The Manoa Church was the Bart Hess Award winner this last year at General Assembly, which is always awarded to a congregation or two every year that exemplifies the spirit and mission of Bart Hess, which was uh, really around the idea of revitalization. We focus a lot on church planning sometimes in the EPC, but we have a lot of existing churches, almost 640 established churches, many of whom are in need of revitalization. And that's exactly what has occurred at the Manoa Community Church in Philadelphia. And I think what we'd love to do is is kind of land there at the end of our conversation today and dig down as to what was kind of at the center of that. Well, let's get into the conversation. Stefan, thank you for being here. Thanks for inviting me, Dean. Absolutely. So help the, uh, our listeners get to know you a little bit. I know the Presbyterian East folks know you, but from around the country, or if they're not from the EPC, tell us a little bit about your faith trajectory. Of course. So I did grow up in the Philadelphia area, just outside of Philly. And um, what part, part, by the way? A little town called Spring City. It's on the edge of Montgomery and Chester County, right on the Schuylkill River there. Yeah. yeah, Public school kid, went to Spring Ford. And uh, yeah, I went to Drexel University for college, which is part of my story as well as how I got into ministry. So I'll share a little bit about that. Drexel's kind of more of an engineering and sciences school, right? So you're going to find out that I'm an unusual pastor because I'm a systems guy too. I bring an admin solutions kind of mindset to ministry as well as evangelism. I'm going to put, I'm going to put a little uh, marker there. We may come back to that. Okay. Yeah. So I grew up in the church, but like a lot of kids just did it on Sundays and the rest of the week, Monday through Saturday lived for myself. But my twin brother and I started a band in high school. It was not a Christian band at all. It was uh, worldly and ungodly and sung about the girl who ripped out your heart kind of stuff and threw it on the street and um, pretty dark music. We ended up playing at a church because we were Sunday churchgoers, we knew Christian music, but we didn't write or play any of it. But we did cover songs to get in there. And the only reason why we did it is because we could get our name on the radio. So at this time in my life, my life is all about this band, Molly Coddle, which means a person of weak character seeks to be pampered and protected. Anyway, so Molly Coddle plays this church. The pastor says, don't sell your CDs, don't sell your merch. So of course, we snuck our CDs in and sold them behind his back and deceived him, unfortunately. But my twin brother started dating a born-again Christian from that church, because we professed Christ in the sense of we're singing about Jesus, right? And as far as we thought, yeah, we're Christians, we go to church on Sundays. She popped that CD into her car and was shocked by what she heard in the inconsistencies. Long story short, God used her witness to my brother to say, you say you're a follower of Christ, and yet this is so dark and worldly. And she challenged him. He said, well, I don't think God cares about this sort of stuff, or that he want me to give it up. She said, well, Jesus gave up everything for you on the cross. Now he tells you to pick up your cross and follow him and die to yourself here. And the What whole, age are you guys at this point? Like junior year of high school, like okay. 17, 16, 17 yeah, year old. A girl says something to you like that when <laughs> yeah. you're 17 years old. That's Not just shocking. a girl, a peer, right? A peer yeah. who's really living for Jesus. And I had some friends in cross country who were also following Jesus and trying to, wasn't the three circles, it was kind of the bridge illustration. They botched it up, but they were trying to draw that. And just my peers started reaching out to me in a way and challenging me that I had never thought of before. And the Holy Spirit used her witness. And really the the contradiction, right? The hypocrisy in my life at that point to expose that I was, this was my idol. This was idolatry and I wasn't living for Christ. I remember where I repented and just said, God, forgive me for this. And, and I, I took my 
CDs out of my backpack because I would pawn them off in high school, you know, selling and promoting myself. And I put my Bible in my backpack for the first time and started walking the halls, inviting my friends to church. And that was kind of like the trajectory of my life, right? Like kind of like Paul, right? You're, one day he's persecuting the church and now he's promoting the church. I was kind of selling this, whatever, you know, merch and t-shirts for <laughs> my band. And all of a sudden now I'm like, well, Jesus is not these, not these products, but like Jesus is everything. And I, I wanted my friends to know Christ. And it was a complete radical transformation filled with the Holy Spirit and just, um, went to Drexel University then and launched a campus ministry with Campus Crusade for Christ. And it was a student-led chapter, and I was the president. It was just like five of us, but it grew to about 100 kids, reached a lot of friends for Christ, four spiritual laws, all that stuff. There was no staff person at Drexel. No. So it was student-led. And we started a carpool to a big church in Delaware County right outside of the city. It was a Reformed church. And I started bringing a lot of converted kids and new kids um, into this church. And so they said, where are these guys coming from? And they said, well, this guy's running a ministry at Drexel. And so right out of Drexel, that church hired me. There's, I also wrote evangelism curriculum for that church and that the denomination it's a part of is still using to this day. And so they hired me right as a graduate from Drexel. I started as an electrical engineer, flipped to information technology. So my undergrads in IT then I was a full-time ministry at a large Reformed church until 2011, relocated to South Florida after the housing bubble popped down there. I served at a mid-sized Reformed church as well as a um, student ministry in the public schools. So we were in 230 schools. And I was writing curriculum for them and overseeing 90 of them in Broward County. And so I worked with all the denominations and churches of South Florida while I was finishing my MDiv in the evenings, because I never got that the first time, right? They just called me right into ministry. Uh So I got my MDiv and then uh, applied to the Manoa Community Church because my twin brother, who was part of my testimony earlier, he sent his kids to an EPC nursery school. Like the church had a nursery school and the pastor was retiring. You talk about the boomers, that pastor was stepping out and they didn't have somebody ready. And so they put out feelers through the school. And he said, hi, I have a brother in South Florida who's reformed and might be a good fit for you guys. So I applied for that. It took about a year because I had to take all the EPC exams. They saw a non-denom guy and they thought it wouldn't make it. But I said, well, got off to move some mountains. And he did. And so I came from a pretty large church and a pretty prominent ministry to a church of just a few dozen people. No kids except for my own and my brothers and maybe like two or five other kids there. So we started... <laughs> rebuilding from that point at Manoa Community Church. And your brother, I think, is like one of the worship leader there too, right? Or, he was in an interim way. Okay. So he came, he was in a Christian rock band. So that's part of his story. Then he toured the world with a band called Riley. So at that point, the band had kind of discontinued. And so uh, they all went their separate ways into different ministries. So he helped revitalize the music ministry initially. But then we hired a worship director in the middle of covid actually. So that's part of our story too. We made some really bold moves when churches were in survival mode. We went into growth mode and God's really rewarded that decision. So, but Matt is uh, amazing. He's been, thanks brother for all your help. (laughs) He's also a creative director at Capital One and helped with a lot of the rebrand of Manoa. Your faith story sort of starts with your brother and it kind of brings you back (laughs) to where you are right now, full circle. Something about the power of twins and the way you guys have this kind of connection with one another. That's right. kind of cool. I'm left-handed. He's right-handed. He went to art school. I went to engineering school. Even our dental work is completely mirrored or flipped the opposite way. So we're mirror twins. So there's a funny where we're similar, but very 
opposite gifts, and that came into help Manoa because we needed both the arts and music and the preaching and the leadership. And so, well, let's dig down on the one thing that you just said here for a second, Stefan. You said that during the pandemic, you guys kind of went into growth mode and dug down on that kind of posture versus an isolation kind of mode. The big churches with resources, by and large, adapted online pretty quickly. The smaller churches who didn't have some of the IT infrastructure and things like that struggled with how do we meet because we're principally incarnational community pastoral congregations. Um, How did you take a smaller church in the pandemic and pivot towards a growth mentality? Well, first, I want to thank my church because they're uh, extremely adaptive and flexible. And my session was very um, empowering to me. Part of the story of Manoa, too, is it took me a year to get there. So once the search committee landed on me, I started working behind the scenes on the vision, mission, strategy, and really fine-tuning it. So the first session meeting I had, I slid that across the table and session approved it. And so it was very different than the vision committee, you know, where they just bought in and right away we flipped the website and started. That's not the normal approach. That's not. So (laughs) one of the things you'll find is I'm on this church health team. We have one strategy. How we did it at Manoa is very different. And yeah. and I think God uses different things, right? Yeah. And that's and that's fine. But because my background's in IT, first thing that I always do at churches, every church gets a new website and every church gets a new database. So he's planning center. So a lot of that's happening behind the scenes. We're moving from bulletins to a weekly email with a video message from pastor. And so all of that's being updated in 2018 when I get there. So that by the time the pandemic rolls around, we set up online giving, all of that. And folks are like, why would you ever do that? We have plates. They take a percentage. I said, I think it's, you know, this is probably the future of giving. So once <laughs> once the sanctuary closed and we had online giving, it was like, praise the Lord. So there was a little bit of pre-work done. I was able to email the church easily. We had everybody. I was able to speak via my vi- weekly videos to the church text everybody's phone so we could keep communicating very seamlessly with the church right at the point of the pandemic. In fact, I did a video just how we stay connected through COVID-19. It got hundreds of views, not only from my church, I think all of a sudden COVID-19 became a buzzword, right? And so it just, I realized instantly as I'm leading my church through this, a lot of people are now listening in and the church is scared, right? And so we did a preaching series. We were in the book of Acts called Global Outbreak, and it was an eight-part series on fear, faith, and COVID-19. We created a a beautiful pre-recorded service around this and had hundreds of viewers now following us, and also a PCA church in South Florida let us use their worship videos, so we had a guest worship band. The pastor said, hey, Manoa, we're so happy to be your guest band. So all of a sudden, we have hundreds of people watching Manoa who never came to the church, and our online presence is growing and growing and growing through this season. And the excellence is through the roof because we have professional friends and designers, some inside, but some also outside the church that I pulled in. And the church supported me to say, keep us going. So our revenue didn't drop. It stayed stable and even started to grow. Mm. And that was the moment where we realized when we were about to go to a live stream that if people came in, the bottom would drop out because they're watching this excellent band from it was Spanish River Church, right? Like this big church in South Florida. I said, the church to the session, I said, this is a time where we need to hire for growth and we need to hire a worship director because this will crush any volunteer. We didn't have the revenue there, but we, we dug deep out of our, our reserve and the Lord has returned that 
many times over. We've more than doubled yeah. our revenue, which is still a small church, but that was the kind of investment we made during the pandemic. One of my axioms, Stefan, that I have, um, I often share with younger pastors is vision precedes resources. Right. Um, we're not supposed to be ignorant of resources or flippant about that, but vision has to go first. And if you're able to put out in front of people, this is what God is doing. This is appears to be where he's leading us. And if we go in that direction and God is a part of it, then the God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills is going to release the resources to help us support that mission. You know, there have been times when I've been at the 11th hour and the 59th minute and the 59th second wondering, okay, Lord, when are you going to do this? But, you know, he's always been faithful because it puts you in a posture of faith and trust in your people as opposed to looking inwardly with kind of a scarcity mindset. I'm curious about how that worked for you as this kind of smaller but now growing church. What are your thoughts on pastoring a brick and mortar congregation in a real community and at the same time having this kind of focus towards things that are online it's a great question and i would agree with you as far as the priority of vision and it proceeding i worked for first priority that student ministry and our executive director said big money follows big vision and you know we started with 120 schools and we were at 230 by the time i left and we were in seven counties and i dream big I got to Manoa and there was a few dozen people. This is preceded the pandemic. And I brought my elders and deacons together and said, we're going to revitalize churches. We're going to plant churches. We're going to reach people for Christ. We're, you know, the children's hallway, which was empty. We moved a lot of things around to turn a whole hallway to a children's hallway. I said, one day this will be full of kids, you know. Mm. And some of the leaders looked and said, Pastor, look around the room. You really think we can do this? I said, not with that attitude, you can't. It's going to take faith. And that was right from day one, right? So that's how I lead our leaders. And praise God, those leaders are still with us. So we didn't drive out the old and bring in new people. They followed and came along board. As far as the online presence, this was for our community. So I wasn't doing this to create a followers nationwide. Our views are still pretty limited to a couple hundred views. Our folks watch it when they're sick, when they're on vacation, you know, those kind of things. Yeah. The other day, my son was sick and my wife was sick and they got to watch the live stream. So our live stream's there to stay, but I've actually pulled back personally from social media through the pandemic because it got so polarizing yeah. and I felt a pressure to always be commenting on what's happening politically. I realized I got the microphone every week and all these other things. I can speak there. I'm very aware that I'm not looking to make followers. I'm looking to be a pastor of real people in my church. And so we use the live stream to care for our flock and keep us connected in technology through that. If people happen to view in, that's a blessing on the side, but we're not aiming towards that. And I would say most of the people who watch us are within a a geographical radius of Manoa Community Church. So it's not a tool just to Gotcha. Turn into an online church. Okay. Well, let's pivot a little bit, uh, Stefan. And your approach, your vision, your energy, your enthusiasm is very contagious, which is a great series of attributes to have as a church health coordinator. <laughs> Explain to someone listening in, the EPC has put a lot of emphasis on church health, particularly in the last year, year and a half. What is church health in the EPC? If someone asked you that question, what would your answer be? 
Well, it's not defined by me. It's defined by the team here, right? And Bob Stauffer, who you brought on. So because obviously that can mean anything to a lot of people. And there's a lot of things that are unhealthy in the church, right, that probably need some focus. But what we mean in the EPC when we say church health is three main things. A culture of evangelism or being missional. A culture of vitality or revitalization. And then that third piece you already hinted at, transitional pastors. When churches don't have a pastor, do we have a bench of leaders trained to go in for that 12, 24, 36-month interim? But they're not simply interim pastors. They're helping the church do assessment, uh, vitality, missional posture, getting the church inward focus back to outward focus, and helping them get the next strong pastor in there. So that whole process ends with helping with the search committee. So most churches want to run in and set up their search committee right away and, right. and plug that quickly, but they don't really know who they need to become, right? And so we tell people to push pause, invite a, a transitional pastor in there who has a heart of missional posture, evangelism, helping the church reach people for Christ. Make sure those things look under the hood, fresh eyes, look behind the curtain, and kind of prepare them for their next pastor before they kind of jump in and grab somebody quick that might might not be evangelistic. Because I appreciate your leadership. We're putting the E back in the EPC, right, of being an evangelistic Presbyterian church. And I kind of feel like I've gone full circle because I heard that Bill Bright came out of First Press of Orlando. That's right. And and a lot of his discipleship resources use like Westminster. I didn't realize it until I had studied to become <laughs> EPC. I feel like I found my uh, spiritual home because the DNA of Bill Bright and Campus Crusade still is very much in my heart. And so we're getting back to our roots here, and the church health team is trying to prioritize creating evangelistic Presbyterian churches. Yeah, it's not insignificant, too, that of our four gospel priorities, one of them is being led by Gabriel DeGia, who's our executive director of World Outreach, and he spent his entire life in Campus Crusade yes. before coming into the EPC, who is also an elder at First Orlando. So all of that works together. Well, let's. I'd like to take a moment and go a little deeper on that one particular thing. And you said there's three things that we define in terms of church health. But I'd like you to take the one, because we're going to do a little series here of probably three or four church health-related things. But I think you have a, a lot of strength in the area of how to create an evangelistic culture. Why is that an important, if not the most important, component piece of a church's revitalization or being a healthy church to have an evangelistic culture? Well, let's just state the obvious. The American church, not just the EPC, is in decline and if our goal is simply to grow our churches by shuffling sheep, it's a net zero for the body of Christ in America. So right. EPC aside, we have to focus on reaching the lost. Secondly, if I focus on transfer growth, the church down the street is my competition. But if I focus on growth through conversion, the church down the street is my ally because we're all on the same team. So as a Great Commission movement, we are called to reach people for Christ. And that's not simply because the EPC needs revitalization. It's because that's the Great Commission. <laughs> that's what Jesus has called us to do. Right. The first thing he told his disciples is, follow me, I'll make you become fishers of men. Before he returned, the last thing he said is, go and make disciples. And before he, he was filling us with the Holy Spirit in Acts 1-8, he said, you will be my witnesses. So from beginning to end, as I read the Gospels in the book of Acts, this is what we're called to do, <laughs> is reach lost people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is why Jesus started the church that the gates of hell shall not prevail against. 
And so if we want to be about the business of Jesus, we'll fish for men, we'll make disciples, we'll be his witnesses. So it's just being faithful to what a disciple does, in my opinion. That's how we grow churches. Any other way than that, playing church or we're killing the church down the street to grow our church, that's not okay. Well said. So if a EPC church or an elder of an EPC church pastor is listening in right now and you know, their heart is kind of tweaked a little bit and they're thinking to themselves, I wonder if our church really has an evangelistic culture. I know we should, I want us to, uh, what, what step would they take in terms of making a move towards really digging down deep and investing in that particular aspect of church health? Well, first I recommend reach out to your church health coordinator, right? Because they will come and actually train in evangelism. The three circles is one of the tools we're getting behind, like the four spiritual laws, But specifically, if that pastor is saying, how do I create a culture of evangelism at my church? My first recommendation is to look in the mirror because evangelism is much caught as it is taught. And people watch our examples and see what we're passionate about more than we, if we just badger them and say, you all need to do more. You know, who who are the five people you're praying about? Who are you going to bring to church? My experience is if I could fix the guy in the mirror, namely me, my example is does most of the rest of the work in the culture. So how the first question is how do we become evangelistic pastors and Mm. work on me and get my, my, myself sharing the gospel more, inviting people to church. Secondly, I would recommend for the pastor don't preach on evangelism, preach evangelistically. Mm. This is a change I've made. I think D James Kennedy used to say, don't talk about fishing in front of the fish. If you want to create a church where people want to bring their lost friends to, you're not going to talk about evangelism and and beat them up on Sunday mornings. You're going to speak to unbelievers every week in your service. So I was speaking to unbelievers in my church before they were there because I'm training my church that they're supposed to be bringing their friends to church. So I'm always saying, if you're new to Manoa Community Church, thank you so much for coming today. As I'm preaching, I'm always thinking about the unbeliever. If you've never read the Bible before, this is what this means. I'm always finding a way to get to Christ and the gospel. And I'm calling people to Christ almost every week at Manoa Community Church. We're called to preach the gospel, right? That's what evangelism is. And that's what pastors are called to preach. If you're not preaching the gospel, and as Reformed Christians, we believe the whole Bible points to Jesus, right? Biblical theology in the book of Acts. They're preaching Christ from the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, because the New Testament hasn't even been written yet. And they're winning people to Christ. So we should be winning people to Christ every week in our Sunday service. And if you model evangelism, I think it's inevitable. If people are getting saved Sunday mornings. If people are bringing their lost friends to church Sunday mornings because they're going to hear you preaching and say, oh, I should have brought my wife today, or I should have brought my neighbor to hear this, or my coworker really needs to hear this. So if we're only preaching to the choir every week, and then we're beating up the choir, everybody already feels guilty enough. Everybody yeah. already feels like a failure. So I don't think keeping more guilt onto that and doubling down is going to actually move the needle. I think we got to focus on ourselves, and we got to get fired up and excited. And when people come to Christ, they actually become the best evangelists. The longer we're Christians, usually the worse we become at it. Unfortunately, it's the new convert that usually is, come see a man who told me everything I ever did, you know. Right, right, right. One thing I know is I was blind, now I see. Come on, you know. Yeah. Well, in transformation, we talk about the fact that the first step towards a church being transformed is the pastor being transformed. I always assume there's lost people coming. Now, we're not a seeker church. We're not aiming to unbelievers. We are a believer church. 
But Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, if an unbeliever walks in, what should their experience be in your church? They should not be alienated. It should not be weird. And they should fall on their face and say, God is among you. Their heart, the secrets of their hearts are disclosed that unbelievers could walk into our church service and encounter the power of the Holy Spirit and the gospel of Jesus Christ and say, God is here. Amen. Amen. Well said. Well, if people wanted to uh, check out more of, of you or uh, Manoa Community Church, how would they reach you guys? So just go to our website, Manoa.org. It's M-A-N-O-A dot O-R-G. And all the links to like our YouTube channel, Facebook and all that stuff is right there. We do live stream our YouTube and Facebook every Sunday. So if you want to follow those, you can kind of just snoop in whenever you want to see. And if you want to see how I'm preaching evangelistically or the the vibe of Manoa, it's very multi-ethnic church. It's it's a tad more charismatic, but it's, it's very contemporary, solidly reformed EPC Presbyterian through and through. <laughs> that would be some simple ways to, to kind of follow us. Okay. Well, thanks, Stefan. I appreciate it. Love the time here today. Grateful for your leadership in the church health coordinators and what you do in the Presbyterian of the East and at Manoa Church. And just a delight to have that conversation with you today. Thanks. Thank you for inviting me, Dean. Absolutely. Well, my friends, that brings this conversation today to a close. And I want to remind us of the good word that is from God's word that puts everything into perspective for all of us. And that is from Colossians 1, 15 through 18. The sun is the image of the invisible God firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together, for he is the head of the body, the church, until the day in which he comes back again, or we sit down for yet another conversation around the table. This is Dean Weaver, the State Clerk of the EPC in all things. Grace and peace to you. Thank you again for joining us. On behalf of Dean and the entire team, we hope you will join us for our next episode of In All Things. For more information about the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, including a directory of local churches, online resources, and much more, visit our website at www.epc.org. I'm Rachel Joseph. I pray you have an overwhelming sense of God's presence in all things today. Thank you.